Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick. And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today is Kimberly Zimber. And Kim, did I say your name correctly, first of all? Well, you did, except... People only say Kimberly when I'm in trouble. Ah. So I don't know where you're going with this, but yeah, Kim or Kimberly is going to work. So we'll call you Kim. And Kim has recently published a book on her journey. And her journey is one that is especially apropos today when we're dealing with uh, human beings who struggle with their sexuality. And so with that in mind, Kim, I'm going to turn it over to you. If you would be so kind as to lead us in a word of prayer, I think we all could use it. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father God, we come before you in thanksgiving and gratitude for your goodness, Lord, for your mercy and your grace that you pour out on us every day, Lord, that you love us no matter what we do. But we also thank you, Lord, that you don't love everything we do uh, and that you are always, your, your Holy Spirit is always convicting us, Lord, of, of the ways in which you draw us to change and, and be transformed and edified. And, and so we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way in every way uh, in this conversation that we're going to have today, that hearts would be moved and touched by you, Lord, that you would use myself and, and whoever else involved as simply vessels of your love and your truth, Lord. I thank you for what you've done and continue to do in my life, and I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would be magnified and glorified uh, in this time. And Mother Mary, we ask, please, for your intercession, for the intercession of St. Augustine um, and St. Teresa of Avila, St. Catherine of Siena, all the angels and saints, to pray for us in the throne room of heaven, for us here on earth, your family here on earth, to be persistent in love and truth for Jesus Christ and for the salvation of souls. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, our listening audience can tell that we're in the COVID era, so uh, every once mm-hmm. in a while it's possible that we might not have as clear a connection as we would like because we don't have Kim actually in the studio. Kim, where are you actually at right now? What city are you? Yes, I'm in San Diego. To? All right. Beautiful San Diego. Right now um, it's uh, a wonderful summertime up here, but San Diego gets very nice weather most of the time. How's the smoke? You know, to be honest, it's it's not bad um, at all right where, where I'm at. So praise the Lord for that, just keeping people covered in prayer for sure. But um, Well, I was talking about that coming it. coming from your publishers and the book and everything else. <laughs> oh, well, that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, that's, that's a different story. We'll get into that in the, in the interview. But, well, <laughs> yeah, no, everything's, everything's great. Well, that, I guess that's where I wanted to go. You wrote a book, and it's yeah. one of these things where you've been now as for years in ministry – you're a Catholic, but you've been doing ministry both with Catholics and Protestants. You've been on several programs talking about your walk and your journey. Tell us a little bit, and, and before we get into it, I do want to let our listening audience know we're going to be talking about human sexuality, and we're going to be talking in ways that we will keep it uh, at least PG, but I do want to make sure that if we have uh, sensitive ears out there that they've had a chance to have their parents um, make decisions. Anyway, with that little forewarning going, tell us a little bit about your book. Well, you know, I didn't want to write one. 
Um, and, uh, that, you know, that is just usually how things have gone kind of with, um, with God. And when he, when he's speaking to me and I feel like the Holy Spirit's speaking and, uh, you know, I wanted to hide everything I, I went through and experienced because I think that's just kind of the natural way as us human beings, you know, kind of operate. But the Lord just so gently and so sweetly just kept speaking to me on this, that what he's done in my life is not just meant for my life, that it's not just meant for the freedom that I get to walk in uh, every day, that it's meant for others to experience and see how good he is and the hope um, that can come, right? It's, it's in the scriptures that there is, our testimony is prophecy into someone else's life, right? And so it's not a fun thing to publish your kind of quote-unquote, as the world may call it, dirty laundry, you know, everything you've done um, that you're not proud of. But I, I am trusting, I'm walking in faith that the Lord the Lord will use this as a tool. Um, it's not about me, though it is. <laughs> uh, it's really not. It's really not. It's about a human being who, who struggles. Um, and, and for me, sexuality was one of those main struggles in my life, um, identity and all of that. And so, yeah, I've just kind of put my heart out there in pages. It may get trampled, but I pray that, that people really see the goodness of Jesus, who he is, the power that, that dwells within um, all that he is, and that there is freedom in Jesus Christ for anything that we struggle with, anything that we battle with. Now, your book is titled Restless Hearts, Life and Sexuality, uh, and it's um, available through Sophia Press, is that correct? Correct, okay. yes, yes. And that came out it's not... available on Amazon as well. Okay, and that, that came out not that long ago. The book itself, though, is is not just about your life story. It's about the struggles that went into your relationship with God in the process of living out your life story. So, yeah. So tell me, in a, kind of a nutshell, what was the big struggle with your identity? Well, I was attracted to women and not just as friends. Um, it was my senior year. I was born and raised Catholic, but I was faced with this desire for women that I didn't create. I didn't come... You know, by the mercy of God, I, I never experienced any physical, spiritual, or emotional abuse. You know, grew up with wonderful mother and father, two older brothers, um, but, you know, and raised in the church. Uh, went to private Catholic school, third grade to eighth grade. But it was in my, my, you know, high school years when I went to a public school that I started to experience these desires. And, and you know, I had always known that I was never really as into all the boys as all the girls in my classes were. But I thought that was fine. I thought, you know... I was raised with two brothers, so I figured that boys always felt more like brothers than people I'd had crushes on. And um, so I didn't really think much of it, but it was my senior year that things really shifted. Um, and so th it led to turmoil beyond the word turmoil. Um, I was living a double life. I, it was my senior year of high school. I, I don't know how much you want me to get into it. But oh, I, really... I do want to get into a little bit more, but I, I want to kind of make sure that we, we kind of come to the crux of the matter. Mm -hmm. You then struggled through several years of struggle. Yeah, yeah well, and uh, so restless heart, I mean, that kind of summarizes. I was I was literally just had a restless heart. And then the, the subtitle is My Struggle with Life and Sexuality. And so that's what this is all about. I was conflicted within. I had a heart that, you know, soul that desired to, to love and serve the Lord. Um, but I had these desires that were real. And they were in conflict with each other. And you knew this from early on that they oh, were in absolutely. conflict. Okay, yeah, so never never questioned that. 
So by the time you get to become more of an adult, and I, I realize that theoretically an 18-year-old's an adult, I think you and I both know that, that's less, that's less true for many people. <laughs> well, I, it wasn't true for me either. I might have had the legal adult uh, title, but I surely was, was not formed well myself. Your book, though, came out for what reason? What caused you to decide that your struggle was something that you needed to, to write out? Well, when I had, through many different encounters, I, I actually didn't even want to share. I, I quote-unquote, said to the Lord, and I don't mean this rude, but I'm just being authentic, yeah. uh, not sugarcoating anything, as, as I tend not to do. But it actually, I told the Lord, I said, you can have my life, but you can't have, I, I'm not going to share a word about anything of that I, what I struggled with. That's between you and me. <laughs> and so the very area I was resistant, he was persistent. Um, and, I, and so the first time that I ever shared was actually in a women's prison. Um, I was terrified. I thought I was actually going to get beat up. I'm not that big of a person. Um, and I thought this is literally like asking for death um, or at least, you know, something brutal. Uh, and the women's response to when I just shared my heart and all my struggles um, and how real it was. And, and I cried in front of them and just I was just transparent. The response from them. And these were women who were living in the lifestyle. They were dating women. They were physically active with women, all of this. And their response, I knew that it wasn't what I was sharing. I knew it was the Holy Spirit within the testimony of my life. And when I saw these women fall to their knees, ask for repentance, one, one woman uh, was married to a woman and said, Kim, every word you spoke, every word you spoke, you spoke my own life. She said, I want who you have. And I should have never married this woman. And I've known it, but I've been lying to myself and I've been pretending. And so as I started hearing these stories from these women that were, were locked up, I was like, okay, Lord, I'm sorry, wherever, however you want me to shoot, wherever you want me to shoot. And that just snowballed. I, I, I free will gave him my yes. Um, though he doesn't need me, he was inviting me to share. And it just one after the other after the other. And it wasn't until I was in an airplane flying from a max security prison in Texas. And um, this woman had, I guess, heard maybe about my journey or something. And she was an LGBTQ activist. And uh, she was dating a woman. And she, she just... Well, it was a long story, actually. That didn't make it in the book. But the long and short, she was very angry at me. Uh, and, and I said, you don't know me. Uh, you, you have every right to be angry at me after you know me. But you don't know me yet. And I said, if you want to get to know me, we got a little bit of a plane ride. And she's like, all right, go ahead. <laughs> you know. And uh, so I just shared my heart with her. And I asked if she would share hers. And she did. And by the end of it, she's like, Kim, you need to write a book. She's like, and she invited me over to her house to have dinner with her and her, her girlfriend. She's like, she needs to hear this story. And, and keep in mind, like I said, I don't sugarcoat. I was being real, but I didn't point my finger at her. So let me make sure then that I, I have this straight. You were, by the time you were you were having this conversation on the airplane or by the time you had the conversation in, in the jail ministry, you had already been involved in, in lesbian relationships. Oh, yeah. But you you decided to change your life and you were able to do so. I'm going to correct some of those words, okay. um, not in judgment, but just in truth. And so for me, um, I wrestled for so many years, right? And I, you know that, that phrase, you get sick and tired of being sick and tired? Uh, well, that was me. I was done living a double life. I was done pretending that what I was doing was okay when deep down inside I knew it wasn't. And so it was a, through, and, and the book goes through it uh, in detail, but through a lot of different events that had occurred. It was on October 17th, 2014 that I said, Lord, I surrender. I give you 
my sexuality. I prayed all my life, God, take these desires. God, take these desires. But on October 17th, 2014, when I said, Lord, I give you my desires. I give you my sexuality. I give you all that I am um, is when he, when I allowed him. Now, he's always Savior. Jesus is always Savior. But, right, it's a personal Savior, and I asked him to be Savior over my life, over every aspect. And that shifted everything drastically. I did not do it in my own strength. I can't change myself. I can I can use the free will God's given me and I can surrender that to him, but it's through his strength um, that I am different today. It's, it's through his strength alone, through the strength of Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus Christ, that I have been set free. Wow. Um, but I, I don't ever ask somebody to change themselves. There are things we need to do, right? Um, yeah. that it's not predestined, but our free will, right? We have the free will that he's blessed us with and to surrender that to him. So that's when it, that's when life changed is when I had a free will surrender to him. Wow. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today is Kimberly Zimmer or Kim Zimmer. And Kim has written a book about the struggles that she has had with her sexuality in the struggle with God. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about how you were able to both confront that struggle and allow God to take charge of that struggle. Again, you're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, and we will be right back. Katie Dawson with the Catholic Family Minute. As we consider what the perspectives are that will help us to live well and to love well in these times, Sometimes we need a backup. We need to know that someone is supporting us and that someone is God, our Father. I think a great illustration of this is from a National Geographic documentary about an orphaned bear. In the documentary, this orphaned bear is adopted by a grizzly daddy bear who teaches him all the bear things, how to fish, how to scratch his back, how to find a place to sleep. One day, some distance separated from the daddy bear, the little bear was stalked by a mountain lion. The camera pans back and forth as the mountain lion stalks the baby bear. Finally, just as the mountain lion is about to pounce, baby bear takes a stand, hind feet, raises his paws, and screeches, and the mountain lion takes off. The baby bear looks rather satisfied with that outcome, And then the camera pans out for us to see a wider angle. Standing behind the baby bear is Daddy Bear, also on his hind legs and looking very fierce. Just so, God is with us, backing us up, even when he is unseen. We don't have to handle our challenges alone. Let's remember to ask for the help that we need. You've been listening to Katie Dawson's Catholic Family Minutes. Tune in for a new episode every Wednesday on the Diocese of Orange Facebook page. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today is Kim Zember, who's written a book, Restless Heart, My Struggle with My Life and Sexuality. Is that the title, or did I bundle it up a little bit? You added one little extra my, but that's okay. Okay. My struggle with life and sexuality. (laughs) And that's come out from Sophia Press, or it's in the process of coming out. And speaking of coming out, (laughs) no pun intended originally, but now I guess we will. 
your struggle had to do with lesbianism and the idea that you had full knowledge that this was something that you should not be doing. And the book is about your struggle in trying to regain control over your life. Now, this is a quite a controversial topic in California, especially, and it is within the Catholic Church in that the, the church tries to, to work through how we have inclinations and how people are, shouldn't be blamed for inclinations. But your book really isn't so much about inclinations as it is about mastery and control of yourself. Is, is that a fair way of, of summarizing the intent? Um, I would say actually it's more about um, embracing a surrender, to be honest. It, w- it wasn't from my own strength that any of this happened, though my free will is involved always and engaged. Um, it's really about a surrender. And, and even to this day for me, it's about a surrender and knowing that God is better than anything that I could desire. And so giving all my desires back to him. Um, and, and yeah, like you had mentioned, you know, disordered desires. That's not just with sexuality. That's in a lot of things, right? So more of a, a book of surrender. Now, a, a lot of people who are in this ministry will go back and they'll start taking, oh, the first chapter of Romans, for example. And the first mm-hmm. chapter of Romans is meant to be a, an introduction to a long essay that Paul writes on why the church in Rome should have Jews accepting non-Jews into their membership and don't be too involved with what goes on in the Roman society. Mm-hmm. But as part of that, it makes some interesting comments about how people, when they begin to take a self-centered focus on their lives, will first of all truncate the relationship with God. So they, they become, they worship idols, whether those are the types of idols they did in Rome or idols of movements or idols of money or idols of career success or idols, things that are short of God that nevertheless can give meaning to their lives. And then that leads them or God allows them to fall into a selfishness expressed in their bodies and sexuality. Mm-hmm. How did that play out for you? You mentioned that this goes back a long way to your childhood, but you never acted out on it until your last year of high school. What happened? Yeah, so, you know, and I, I love how you set this up because really it did start with a self-centered vision that I've had, you know. Um, I was It was my kind of younger years especially when I got out of private school, right, being in a third grade to eighth grade, being, you know, a little more sheltered in the private Catholic school, you know, I kind of had to watch myself. Um, But getting into my high school year when I went into the the public school, kind of had free reign. And so I just realized I was living very, what works for Kim? What's best for Kim? Um, And this just self-serving way of life I started living and really paying no attention. I was very well liked and was successful in most things they put my hand at. And so nobody gave me a hard time except my parents, right? Like my mom. (laughs) But other than that, nobody balked at it. And so I was starting to live a life of all about me. And in that, it it started to manifest some real ugly things. And and I wanted to push, see how far I could push. And, And God no longer was a part of my everyday now, you know, now out of the Catholic school. And so it was more a place where if I wanted him to be a part of the day, I would have to welcome him in, though he is, you know, as we know, always a part, but I'm talking about that free will inviting. And so, yeah, I was not challenged or I didn't challenge myself in healthy ways. And so I started finding some unhealthy ways. One, one important thing to note um, is that I was attracted to men as well. But again, I saw most, I had two older brothers 
And I saw most guys as brothers to me versus guys that I was really interested in want to be with, but I still found them attractive. But I ran into an issue. My freshman year of high school, I started dating this guy and he wanted to have sex. And I did believe to the root of me, I was like, premarital sex, God knew what he was talking about when he said, don't do it. Like, I really did have firmly rooted in me that the act of sex was actually for creation, right? To bring life into this world under the covenant of marriage. And so for me, it was really hard in high school to date guys because the majority of them, I'm not saying all of them, but the ones I was at least interested in, they weren't okay with not having sex. And so I was like, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to keep them as friends. This is safer, right? And, um, but I still longed for companionship, right? We're, we're not meant to be alone. Now we know God is enough, but he also put people with us, right? And so for me, I started taking companionship and it, I started letting it get twisted and perverted. And the physical parts, the desires I had physically, I was scared to use them with men because I, I knew the line would get crossed, um, at least on their end. And then that's sometimes hard to control. And so I was like, you know what? Women seem safe. And it did cross my mind. Um, and I knew that what I was starting to entertain in my mind with women was not good either. Right. I mean, like, okay, well, I'm not having sex with a man, so I'm good. No, he talks about <laughs> the Lord is very clear about, right, sexual yeah. relations with the same sex. And yeah. so I knew what I was getting into, but I, I really did. I started comparing. I'm like, you know what? The majority of my friends are getting drunk, getting high, having sex. I can kiss a girl. What's the big deal? But let me ask the question. I haven't heard you mention your parents in this so far at all. Mm -hmm. You said well, that you'd gone to a Catholic school, which means that your parents mm -hmm. had uh, put you in from third grade to eighth grade, I think you said. And then you went okay. to a, a, a public school. What did your parents do with you once you got into high school? Did they just kind of turn you loose or? Oh, no, no. They they kept the best reins they could on me. But you got to remember, you're at school the majority of the day, Right. And so for me, I was living a double life. I was, when I came home, I was the good kid. Um, I don't know if y'all are familiar, but like that Eddie Haskell, okay. bye mom, bye dad. And then boom, you know, I just, I was running that little school, a big school actually, <laughs> uh, in many ways. And, and the teachers didn't hold me to things. They, God blessed me with a personality that I didn't use for him to get glory. I used it for me. And so I, I was never really held accountable at school. I was at home. Yeah, that, that was a whole different ballgame. I didn't mess around there. But at school, I mean, I would do anything, and I'd be able to talk my way out of it. And so it was like I just had this open playground to do whatever I wanted, um, and it was invigorating. I mean, honestly, even in that, I would push the line just to see how far I could cross it, you know? And, and it reminds me of St. Augustine, right? Like when he steals a peach, he wasn't even hungry. He didn't yeah. even like peaches, right? right? And, and unfortunately, though I know something's sin, that doesn't mean – there's still not a desire and a draw for it. I would love to say there's not, but there, but there was. And so, but the closer and the more I started entertaining it in my mind, the closer I wanted to walk towards it. And, and my senior years when that happened, uh, when I, for the first time ever, physically something happened between me and a girl. Okay. So your parents had been involved. They were involved. They were trying to be engaged, but you were able to fool them essentially. Oh, for sure. So yeah. you, you weren't going out and, and raising hell on weekends and, ruckuses and things like that so much as yeah. you were going out on regular dates or regular times being out sneaky. being sneaky. This is an interesting lesson for parents that 
your, your children can live double lives. They can talk to you in one way, and they have the full ability, especially as they get older, to be able to have a whole different set of relationships and intentions and mm-hmm. uh, reality when they get outside yeah. of the home. All right. So as we come to the, we've got a couple more minutes in this segment. What transpired? And again, keeping it PG, what transpired that broke you away from this? I'm not going to cross certain lines to where you decided to embrace the crossing of lines. Yeah. For me, um, I thought, you know what? Nothing's wrong with one kiss, right? Katy Perry sang a song, a very famous one. I kissed a girl and I liked it. I thought, you know what, what's the big deal? A kiss is a kiss. And that will suffice, that will fill the void I have for physical intimacy. Because even when I was with guys, kissing was enough for me. And so I thought, you know what, guys can never stop at kissing. I bet a girl can. And so I thought, you know what, if that's the worst I'm going to do, I'm not getting plastered on the weekends. I'm not smoking weed. I'm not doing a lot of things other people are doing. I know that's horrible to just compare that way, but that's what my 17-year-old mind was doing. I thought, if the worst thing I'm going to do is kiss a girl, then I'm fine. That was one of the largest lies I've ever believed. It's the beginning of the end. It was the the start that got you rolling downhill, so to speak. Faster than I would have ever imagined. So how did this then play out? You ended up uh, having a relationship with this person. It lasted well. It went well. It didn't go well. What happened for you? She was the first person that knocked that that whole pride thing I had going on of thinking I was all that. She didn't want anything to do with me after. And I'm like, what is going on? And it just and then that that opened something else in me. Like, wait a minute, I found one person in this school who doesn't like me. What's going on here? And I know that sounds arrogant, but I was I was prideful. I, I didn't have an issue with a lot of things, and so life came really easy. Um, and so for me, it was like, what? And now it was a challenge. It's like, no, you you do want me. <laughs> you just haven't realized it yet, you know, and it messed with my head, you know, and, and it, it tapped on insecurities, right? little obsessive-compulsive relationship going oh, on there. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I was a full-bore, unhealthy, no question about it, on my end, yeah. on my end. I'm, I'm not speaking for her. Um, and so, yeah, so, you know, one of the ways to get over someone, not God's way, but, you know, human's way, to get over someone is to find someone new. And that's what I did for years and years. So when you found someone new, was that male, female, or female? Okay. So yeah, did you ex- remember? I still didn't want to. I still didn't want to have premarital sex. Right. <laughs> I know it's super weird, but it's just true. I was really like, no, I'm not going to do that. And I could not find a guy that was on the same page. Yeah. Like they'd say they were, but then they weren't. You know. And so it was like, man, forget it. I'm just done with that. And I wanted physical intimacy. I didn't need to go all the way, but I I did want to be intimate with someone. And I thought, who better? Then people I'm friends with, right? This, and if they want that too. But then it, it ended up turning. It was never, it never started as a physical thing. I liked the connection I had with women. They understood me. I understood them. We, it, there wasn't a pressure there. It was just easy. So you became exclusively um, involved with females. You mentioned that you were, had been attracted to males. Were men involved in your life then after high school as well or no? Yeah, so I always had a boyfriend on the forefront. Because remember, I'm living a double life. I still have not told my family. None none of this is, you know, out in the open. And so for me, it was I had to keep the facade going of, okay, here's my boyfriend. And they were always nice guys. But I was okay if we weren't still together because I had something else going on that I really wanted. You really, truly did live a double life. You had at the end of high school and the beginning of post high school, which we'll talk about when we come back, you actually tried to live out a double life. 
and struggled with it. It was exhausting. It would be. No wonder you titled yeah. your book Restless Heart. I can't Heart. even handle one, <laughs> let alone two. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, boy. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about how this came to fruition, some of the ministry that you got into in Ethiopia. Uh, yes, she went off to Ethiopia. Uh, and how all of that impacted her relationship with God and why it was that she made the decision to become as pure before God as she could be. We're talking with Kim Zember. I'm Rick Howick, your host for Orange County Catholic Radio, and we will be right back. Reflections from Father Al Baca, Director for Evangelization and Faith Formation in the Diocese of Orange, California. I need to be evangelized. I need to re-evangelize myself constantly because that is a great deception of that somehow I have made it. You know, somehow because I uh, recite my rosary, because I go to Mass, these are wonderful things, right? Mass, the, the summit, you know, the beginning and the end of the Christian life, the rosary, the weapon of the Virgin Mary given to us, you know, against darkness and, and heresy and so forth. But these do not have the potential filled, if I can say it that way, until that relationship with Jesus Christ is forefront. We all know and remember Father Benedict Rochelle, wonderful, wonderful priest. I remember a number of times having conversations with him, and, and he told me, when Catholics love the church first, in other words, when they come to Catholicism and their faith and their religion through the church first, when something goes wrong in the church, a lot of them shatter. When Catholics love Jesus Christ first, he teaches them how to love his church, how to love his bride. That's the way he said it. And I thought that is so profound because when I love Jesus Christ, then he teaches me how to deal with the wounds, with the disappointments, and with the humanness of the church. But the other way around, it may not be so successful. For more, go to OCCatholic.com. That's OCCatholic.com. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope in Garden Grove, California, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. With me today is Kim Zember, who is talking to us about a very personal topic. So if you have little ears in the room, you may want to exercise some parental control because we are talking about Catholic faith confronting a young woman's confused sexuality. And I'm not the one that's making that, that decision that it's a confused sexuality. Uh, Kim, I think that what your whole book is really about is trying to wrestle with what your sexuality is about between you and God. Is that a fair statement? Very fair. Absolutely. So with that in mind, we were talking about how when you were a, a young person before puberty, you went to a Catholic school, you learned right and wrong, you learned what marriage was about. When you got to high school, you were attracted to guys. You were also in a different way attracted to women, but you tried to date, date guys, and guys were, well, they, they were quite randy. They were very, uh, I know a lot of very nice guys, and most of the nice guys I know still, if you if push comes to shove and you're on a date in the near occasion of sin, they're going to go for the sin rather than not. And that's what you yeah. experienced almost exclusively, it sounds like, in your relationships that you were dating in high school. And then it yeah. happened. You allowed yourself to experience a kiss with another woman 
when you were in your senior year in high school and things began to unravel. What went on from there? You had quite an interesting life and an interesting struggle after that. That's really where the whole book unpacks everything, you know, in detail um, for those years of, of wrestling, of hiding, of double life, of struggle, of fun. I mean, you name it, it's all in there. And so, yeah, I mean, in a, in a short version uh, for this segment, you know, it, I tasted something I liked. You know, um, I, I don't mean this to be um, light on the topic, but in the sense of you never know you like a brownie until you eat a brownie, right? right? So I had tasted something, um, and I enjoyed it, and I craved it now. Uh, I desired intimacy with women, um, and, and I was okay with just a kiss. Um, that was enough for me. It fed whatever was inside of me that desired a woman. And, um, and I, I also, it wasn't just kissing. It was, I loved the intimacy of women. And I, you know, in our world, we think intimacy is, is always sexual. It's not. I enjoyed the closeness of a woman. I enjoyed the conversations with women. I just took it to a whole nother level. And so when the girl in high school didn't want anything to do with me, I was like, okay, well, this hurts on, I mean, it hurts the ego. It hurts a lot of things. It hurts the heart. And so I was like, okay, well, I got to find another another one then, and, and that's exactly what I did. Was I found another woman that would give me what this other girl wouldn't? I would date guys, you know, so that my parents wouldn't get like curious of why I'm not dating and what's going on. Um, so I kind of needed to keep a distraction for everybody while I ran around and and did what I really wanted to be doing. Um, I also hit it because I knew that it wasn't right. I knew what I was doing with women was not right. And I wasn't with multiple women. This was not just a, a sexually driven, you know, need to get my fix. I, I wanted a relationship and I was having a hard time even finding that because the women I was with, you know, if they wanted to be in a relationship, they're like, yeah, but you're not willing to tell anybody. I'm like, oh, yeah, no. So there was also a part of me, I don't like to admit it, but it's true, that I liked sneaking around. I liked hiding things. There's an excitement because of that. Yeah, you know, and and somebody once said they're like, man, it's like you could have lived on a roller coaster, and I I pretty much did. It's very interesting to me from a moral perspective and from even a a contemporary social issues perspective, your comments really aren't having much at all to do with whether or not you were born this way, weren't born this way, whether whether or not your, your inclinations were natural or could be changed. You're talking about whether or not you should engage them which is a whole different conversation than what California is trying to have. Well, yeah, but here's the reality. I'm hungry. I have a choice what I do with that, right? So, like, I wasn't hung up on why do I feel this way? I knew I didn't have any abuse in my life, but I wasn't hung up on why. I was like, what the heck do I do with these feelings, Yeah. right? Whereas I think a lot of times we can. And and sometimes for many people that I, I walk and journey with now, they have had things happen that have led them to the place that they're at now with their sexuality. My case wasn't that, and I didn't want to spend all my time figuring out why. I needed to know what to do with it, because that's what I was facing every day. In other words, it's a lot simpler than what a lot of people put it. It isn't so much that you're hardwired one way or the other. If you really want to sin, you can find excuses and reasons to sin, and your body and mind will will allow you just fine. Absolutely. there's it's, It's ready for it. And so for me... And and even when people are like, oh, well, maybe you were born that way. I said, well, you know, and I knew the scriptures. I was like, well, I might have been born this way, but I've been called to be born again. So we're born <laughs> into a sinful nature, into a sinful world. And if I follow my Savior, I mean, but here was the thing. I wanted to follow Jesus, just not yet. <laughs> right. That's I mean, that You're going back to Augustine with his peaches. <laughs> Lord, make exactly. me chase, but not yet. <laughs> just, not, just not right now. 
you know, because look, to be honest, I, you know, I was 17, this was between 17 and 23. I'm living this, you know, I'm making tons of money selling real estate in San Diego. I'm having the time of my life. I'm miserable inside, but it's fun on the outside, but I'm a wreck in, in, internally, but you just drink more and you, you buy more things and you do more things and it softens that it doesn't take it away. So I just, I just reached out for all these other things and people, but the reality was, I did want to live for the Lord. I just wasn't ready. And I didn't have any examples of any 19-year-olds that were living holy chaste lives that I wanted to reflect. And like all the ones that I know, they're boring. People make fun of them. And I don't want to be one of them. And I'm not speaking negative, but that was my mentality, right? Yeah. Holy meant boring. Holy meant old. Holy meant lame, right? And so I didn't have any examples of teenage holiness, right? Except for like people that died, you know, hundreds of years ago. I'm like, yeah, but they didn't live when I lived. <laughs> you know? Right. They don't know my situation because I'm exactly, so unique yeah. in the world. <laughs> right. Because I'm so great. Right. And so in that, you know, it really was. I just, so for years, that's, that's what I did. And it was, and it was miserable. Um, I never told anybody that. I actually, this is really interesting. I hired a Catholic counselor at 18 years old. I was making tons of money. Um, and so I hired a counselor on my own. I was like, I need to know what's Now, how at 18 that. were you making tons of money? I started selling real estate right when I graduated high school, oh, okay. and it was in it was in 2002, and so the market was market just was booming. Soaring. I could sit at at a coffee shop and sell two homes, yeah, and I had a personality. Right. So the the two of those together really were pretty atomic for the finance world. So you and hired so, anyway. So yeah, a Catholic counselor in order to try to yeah, engage you on this. Okay. What yeah, happened? Well, and you know when I. I didn't just want any counselor because I know I could just find someone that would agree with me and be like, you're fine. And I'd be like, okay, what am I paying for? So I really wanted, I wanted to be challenged and I wanted the truth. I was seeking truth. So I hired paying a boatload of money um, and driving an hour to get to him uh, every week. And basically through the long and short of it was, you know, Kim, you're gay. And no, he didn't just come out and say that, but that's what I was basing. And I'm like, what do I do with this? <laughs> I, I get it. I told you everything. I'm the one who came to you and said, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm running around. I'm, you know, I put it all out on the table. Nobody's making me do it. Don't tell me. What do I do? Yeah, fix and so, me. Really? Yeah, well, and not even fix me. Just tell me what to do. I don't expect you to do it, but at least give me some manual here. And never was I really pointed back to the scriptures, not pointed back to sacred tradition or church's teachings. Um, it was what I took from it was you're not going to be happy until you embrace this. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Ooh. What did I just spend my money on? And I have the same thing with priests as well. I went to a priest, shared everything, and he says, you know, you, it's okay to be monogamous, you know, in a same-sex monogamous relationship. I'm like, I'm going to be doing some physical things. Like, I wasn't holding back. I'm the one yeah. coming to these people. I'm, I'm not, not going to come to you and lie to you. Like, I'm, I'm asking for some direction, so i got to be real. But you knew and at I the time to, that you were story. talking to these people, the priests included, that what they were telling you was not what our Catholic faith really teaches. Correct. Because I knew my parents, my mom especially, would tell me, you know, and there's a lot that happened there. Again, it's all in the book. But, yeah. um, but, in that, but in that, it's important because, yeah, I did know that what they were telling me wasn't really true, but it's what I wanted to hear. It helped me stay you in can... this lukewarm for longer. Now, I don't blame them because I have my choice, right? I have my own free will. I, I'm, I'm not going to point the finger at them. But I will say as leaders, right, that there's an accountability and they, responsibility. They so failed I you. wanted to hear what they were saying. But they failed yeah, you. They, they had a responsibility to stand up and say, hey, Kim, yeah. you may have this desire. That doesn't mean you should exercise it. You know, people who <laughs> yep. get who get married, they often 
fall uh, at least in infatuation with someone they work with, and they can't mm-hmm. reach out and touch it. They they can't, as you put it, taste right. something they like. Mm-hmm. They have a responsibility to tell themselves no, and no one was talking to you about that. No. How did no, you learn that? Parents, and I didn't want to listen. <laughs> well, but, you know, it's, it's so sad, but, you, I, I, you know, I didn't <laughs> know these things, but it was like I needed to hear it from someone else. And that's the thing. Keep in mind, like I said, I didn't go to just the world and say, hey, what do I do with this? I went to the church. I went to Catholic counseling. I went to, you know, a Catholic priest, two of them. And so I was seeking the truth within the church because I did know what the teachings. I just need someone to help me out, you know, and tell me. And who better than a celibate priest, right? Well, and I'm sorry that they failed you. Celibacy is. I'm sorry that well, they failed you. Know, well, human beings fail us. Um, as great as leaders as, as we have, uh, we are still human. And I don't, I don't hold bitterness or anger against them um the lord has no but i I think it underscores it underscores a very important reality that in even our church we have people who are who are approaching this from a couple of different perspectives and the first perspective for some of our leaders is not necessarily what jesus taught or what jesus and what the the church holds to how did you get there how did you finally come to the conclusion that mm. I need to change what I'm doing. Well, I move. I'm going to sum this up super quick. And if you you want more info, well, we'll we'll come back and talk more about the book yeah. when we come to our next segment. We've got about two minutes yeah. left in this segment. Twenty three. I moved to Ethiopia. Um, sold okay. Everything I had. <laughs> well, that's not exactly a <laughs> suburb of Southern California. So, what took you to Ethiopia? <laughs> I asked God to show me my heart. I was done doing the same thing I was doing, and so I said, "Please, God, show me my heart." I met a guy. I kind of liked him, and I didn't know why he liked me. He was totally opposite of me, and so he told me he loved my heart. I'm like, that that sounds like you got that from a Hallmark card. Tell me what that means. He said, if you want to know your heart, you have to ask God. So I asked him to leave, (laughs) and I said, God, show me my heart, and God broke in in a way I never thought was possible and showed me something I completely forgot as a child, and it put me on a plane to Ethiopia. Be careful what you pray for. So oh, you yeah. ended up in ministry in Ethiopia. How long did mm-hmm. that last? It's still going on today. So you've got an it's ongoing on ministry in Ethiopia, and that was to serve who? Uh, widows and orphans. So okay. little kids that, that didn't have anybody to help them, and moms that were trying to do it on their own. How did this help you clarify what God wanted with your sexuality? Well, it was a stepping stone, um, and you kind of mentioned it when you talked about Romans, right? That when we're self-focused, it oh, it brings there us down go. a rabbit hole, right? And so, for w- when I went to Ethiopia, when the Lord brought me there by myself, I didn't go with a group. Um, I started a nonprofit after my first trip. When I went there, I saw beyond myself, and it was so you know the Lord in his in his graciousness, he knows to what level we need to see it. And I needed a big wake up, wake up. And that's why I believe wow. he brought me to Ethiopia. It woke my heart. It woke my mind. It woke every aspect of my being. And I was like, God, I want to live for other people. I don't want to live for myself. I, I have so much stuff. And if I just sell it all, I could take care of all of these 56 kids. And that's exactly what I did because it was like, wow. wait a minute. I see these kids. I can't pretend like they don't exist. I hugged them. I, I know their names. They're real. And I have a job. I have an, I have a duty that I want to do. Like, I I don't want to sell my home, but I want this kid to eat. I want this kid to have a future, and I don't need my home. Wow. And so, yeah. What a breakthrough experience that was for you in your life to experience beyond yourself, clarifying yourself. That is so cool. Yeah. When we come back, I want to find out how that resulted in the process of healing for you, 
We're talking with Kim Zember, who is holding nothing back, talking about her restless heart and her struggle with her life and sexuality, which she then turned into a book, which we are going to talk more about when we come back. And this is Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and we will be right back. A message from Father Scott Borgman, Judicial Vicar of the Diocese of Orange. What is God's will? What's he trying to say to the world through this pandemic of COVID-19? Better yet, what's he trying to say to you? My friend says that for the first time in history, God has got the attention of everyone, and God has a plan. People are more sober. There's a lot less sin in the world right now, and this is the time for us to turn back to God. If we turn our hearts back to God, we will understand what it means to be holy, to be with God, to make this time of COVID-19 a real school of love. Abandon the distractions which try to make your heart anxious. People are being forced to come together in their families. They're appreciating this much more in the midst of this pandemic. But we have to be sowers of peace and joy. Think twice before forwarding that uh, social media post that is made out there to make people anxious. Go back to peace. Return to prayer. Turn your heart toward God. This is our opportunity to bring many souls to Christ. And we have to realize that God has a plan. And there's no better time than now to become saints. These are the times of saints. For more, go to OCCatholic.com. That's OCCatholic.com. Or visit the Diocese of Orange Facebook page. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. We have been talking with Kim Zember. And before I go any further, Kim, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and being so open and honest and revealing about your story. Now, granted, you already kind of put this in print, but it's got to be hard to do this on the radio. And I, I want to thank you so much for sharing with us here in Southern California your story. Thank you for coming on. Absolutely. It's an honor. And I, I genuinely mean that. When we were talking last, you had been involved with a very selfish lifestyle, is how you described it, where it led to you being confused about what you were doing with your sexuality. And what got you back was engaging in ministry. Ministry in Ethiopia, and I will tell you that it doesn't have to be all the way in Ethiopia to engage in ministry, but for you, you like to apparently do things to an extreme. Ethiopia probably worked very well for you, and it got you to think beyond yourself. And as we were talking about Romans uh, chapter 1, where it, it shows that the reason why people go into selfish sexuality, whatever you want to call that, that selfish sexuality has to do with a heart of that's selfish. It's not focused on God. Right. And you right. were able to focus on God. Is that what got you to write the yeah. book? Why did you write this book? Tell us about that. <laughs> well, you know, like like we had said, stepping stones, it's always a journey of sanctification, right? Um, that we're all all in. And so for me, you know, you can't you can't think differently until you see differently. So when the Lord, you know, invited me to Ethiopia and I got to see now I started to think differently and then I started to do differently and then it was October 17, 2014, which I mentioned before. I was going back and forth between Ethiopia. I was leading missions trips. I was bringing kids from college and high school over there. Um, but I was still leading women. <laughs> and, oh, I by the way, I did get married to a man, cheated on him with a married woman, and then dated her for 
well over a year and then started dating. And now I was living openly and out, um, could never accept and never would accept the identity of gay, though I was dating women and open about it. But a lot came in and there and it's all in the pages of the book. But I knew who I wasn't, but I didn't know who I was. And so I could reject certain identities, but it didn't mean I know who I knew who I was. And so through that, it was actually the, the quote unquote straw that broke the camel's back. Um, or my back was when my one of my girlfriends I was dating this girl and she cheated on me while I was in Ethiopia and I had realized in that moment that God did not introduce me to her did not bring our lives together for us to be where we were and I thought where did she go wrong <laughs> and she meaning her and then I realized there was three fingers constantly pointing back at me and so I began I began to evaluate myself. In that moment, I said, oh my goodness, I'm the common denominator here. And I threw my hands up in the air. I was driving with a friend of mine. He was driving. And I said, Jesus, I surrender. I said, I am horrible at being God of my own life. Thank you Amen. that you're God and I'm not. And I need you now to be God. I need you to show me how good you are at being God because my life is a mess. And I know you did not create me, you did not put me on this earth, and you did not give me the blessings and the giftings that you gave me for me to be a mess and to mess up other people's lives. So please, right here and right now, be Lord of my life. I give you my sexuality. I give you my desire. I give you my fear of being alone. I give you my fear of holiness. I give you my, my plans that I think I want. I give it all to you, joyfully, scared, but it's yours. And that night he encountered me in a way at a prayer meeting, a Protestant prayer meeting. I was slain in the spirit. I was out for hours and um, an African preacher was, pro I've never been to that place in my life before. And he started speaking. He was prophesying over my life, the victory that I had just won through the blood of Jesus Christ. And he said, you are victorious. You are victorious. You are victorious in the name of Jesus Christ. You have given him everything. He had no idea. He could have had no, I he couldn't have had, I'm sorry, any idea of what I had just prayed before I got to that prayer meeting that evening. And uh, that's all in, in the book as well in detail. And it's it's the, the beauty of God's masterpiece in, in weaving together um, our yeses. From that moment on, my life has been different. I was never not human. I've never not had desires. But I now had a greater desire for the things of the Lord. And there was something that when I started to even think of old life or materialism and these other things, it was as if the Lord just so patiently watched and allowed me to hand him things like materialism and self-love and all these things one by one by one until he had the fullness of who I am in his arms. And that's what I felt like October 17th, 2014 was when I just said, okay, you know what? I'm done giving you pieces. You got everything. Here it is. Because what I hold back, I'm actually ruining. And I, I wanted to trust God for who he said he was. And I needed to see him work in my life however he wanted to. Um, it's been a journey. Since then, I actually, after that, went back to a woman. I was trying to help her find Christ and, and be set free from drugs and all these things. And I thought I was a mini savior. And I treated Jesus as I treated others. I used him. Yeah. I, I got what I needed. He gave me the peace and the freedom and, and all these things. And I'm like, thanks. See you later. And in that time when I fell um, and made those decisions to do what I did after, I'm so thankful to the Lord that even in my abuse of him, right, the using of him, that he would still accept me back. And that lesson I learned, I learned that day that Jesus, what he did on Calvary Hill is not a one-hit wonder. 
He's not a savior of the moment. He's a savior every moment of every day and that I need him. I want him. I need him, that he is my lifeblood, that he is my firm foundation, and that as soon as I start veering from him, I'm taking back the reins of control of my life, and I've realized I am no good at being in control, and I was never asked to be in control of my life. Wow. And so in that, it's, it's been a journey, and it, it will be until the day my last breath is taken. Well, And that brings up for me a more general observation that I think I even alluded to as we were talking earlier. Your story isn't really so much about homosexuality and lesbianism as it is struggle with sin. And it has to do with marriage and lack thereof and the abuse of sexuality uh, as a self-centered pleasure tool instead of as what it was meant for, which is a great gift of one to another. And it seems like the common denominator that you had throughout all of these relationships is that you were never really giving so much as you were taking. And, oh, and that selfishness can only lead to temporary pleasure, not actual joy. And that has to do with marriage. And marriage yeah. was made to go in, in with, with certain characteristics. Regardless, other people who are not lesbian, who are not gay, would be able to hear this story and resonate with it. Because it's, I have... it really is about overcoming sin through Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, go ahead. Absolutely, yeah. Well, and I was just going to say I have countless number of people who, who reach out, find on social media or find my email, find my phone number. You'd, you'd be surprised how when somebody wants to find someone, they find them. And, and I've been found. <laughs> and I don't hide either, so it's pretty easy to find me. But in that, um, just the uh, the tidal waves of, of people, men, women, reaching out, majority of which struggle or are living same sex in same-sex relationships, um, some married, um, but still reaching out, and, and they could just relate to the the struggle and all the things that I share. And so they see these videos, but I get messages from people all the time. They're like, Hey, I don't struggle with same sex attraction, but every single word the Lord had you say, I get it. Cause I struggle with pornography or I struggle with being faithful to my husband or to my wife or, you know, and that's the thing is we, if we could just come together on our struggles and go to the only one who overcomes every struggle. And that's Jesus, no matter what we're struggling with. See, I know that God loves me. I was told that all my life. I want to live a life that loves him back. You know, he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves you. He loves you. But does he love what we're doing? Does he love what we're doing? And that is a different answer. We cannot separate ourselves from the love that God has for us, but we can separate from receiving that love. And that's why we say sin separates. You go to another part of Romans as you go to, I believe it's the end of chapter 8 or chapter 9, where it says nothing can separate us from the love of God. And then it goes to a whole list of different things, life and death and all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. But it it fails to mention one thing, and that has to do with our own decision to separate from him. Correct. He will never separate from us, but we have the free will to separate from him. And that can come in many forms. Kim Zember, I want to thank you so very much. For people who are looking for your book, your last name is spelled Z-E-M-B-E-R, Kim Zember. Tell us the, the title of the book and where they can find it if they're interested in in pursuing more on how your life struggled and is still struggling with how you follow God. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so it's Restless Heart, um, taken after St. Augustine. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you, Lord. So Restless Heart, my struggle with life and sexuality. It can be found on Sophia Press is the publisher. It's available pre-order on there as well as Amazon. So there's an audio book. There's a digital every way you can read, hear, whatever I felt like the Lord asked us to do. And Sophia has been uh, just such a blessing to work with um, and, and come alongside in this journey. So, yeah. 
Sophia Press has got a, a lot of good things going for it, so thank you very much for yeah. using them, too. Kim, there are people who are listening right now who, whether or not they're struggling with same-sex attraction, they're struggling with their relationship with God and whether or not they're going to be selfish and therefore turn away from God or embrace God and therefore selflessly love. And I think that you help clarify for them so much in their lives just by simply telling us yours. Every story is unique and yours is yours and it is one that cannot be argued with only learn from, and the embrace of God is clearly coming through. So thank you so much for that honesty. Kim, would you be so kind as to lead us in a word of prayer? In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, we come before you. We thank you, Lord. We give you all honor, all glory, and all praise. We thank you that you are Lord, and we are not. We thank you, God, for being God, and that you never asked us to be Lord. And I just ask, Lord, for, for my own life and for all those that are listening I just ask, Father, that you would come into our lives in greater measure. I ask, Lord, that you would stir in us, Holy Spirit, to surrender, a joyful surrender to you. All the things we struggle with, all the things we love, our children, our, our families, all things given into your almighty, loving hands, knowing that you are God and we are not. I pray, Lord, that people would taste and see that you are good, God. And that when they taste and see your goodness, that the things of the world, that the things of sin would taste bitter on their tongues. And only the things that are of you, Lord, would taste sweet and they would desire more. We thank you, Jesus, that you are always in pursuit of our heart and that your pursuit for us is for a pursuit for a full life, a full life, not free of struggles, but a full life that you bear with us, Lord. We thank you for the blood you shed, Jesus, on Calvary Hill. We ask, Mother Mary, for your intercession as you stood on that hill looking at your son. You never went to take him off the cross. You knew that suffering was meant for our salvation and our freedom. And so we ask for your prayers, Mother Mary, as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother Mother of God, God, pray for us sinners, now and at the the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wow. I want to thank you again, Kim, for being with us. You are listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. Today we've had Kim Zimber on who wrote the book Restless Heart, uh, My Struggle with My Life and Sexuality. If you would like to hear this again, you can go to OC Catholic, Orange County Catholic Radio, OCCatholic.com, and you can go to the radio tab, and there you'll find our, our eight or so radio programs that we produce here, including the flagship, Orange County Catholic Radio, and there you can find the podcast that you can share with anyone you would like. In the meantime, I'm Rick Howick, your host, and we will see you again next week. Afraid by Deacon Steve Greco. In a state of lockdown, staying indoors to help flatten the curve. COVID 19, the worldwide pandemic. Fear has overcome so many, Christians and non believers alike. Let's face it, our life on planet Earth is short. There is no question that we are in a unique time in our history. There is good news, though. Be not afraid by Deacon Steve Greco. Jesus is Lord. He is Lord over the coronavirus and everything else for that matter. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Deacon Steve says, instead of seeing this as a time of inconvenience and pain, see it as a new chapter in which God is showering us with a new wineskin of blessings. Be Not Afraid is the brand new book by Deacon Steve Greco. Get your copy today by visiting the website spiritfilledhearts.org. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. Spiritfilledhearts.org. 